Welcome to Push to Shout episode 86. Remember and these? Skippy has some Remember to say. these? I do. I, I remember Maybe those, if Skippy. you were 90s. Skip. Kid. Skip. I remember. You got me. That was my bit. <laughs> you got me. Oh. Welcome to Push to Shout. Um, this is where comedy is born and dies. Skippy. First of all, what were you thinking? What was going through your head when you uh, concocted this bit of all bits? Well, uh, you know, I'd been I'd been brewing That's around in my head for a while. There, there okay. was this, you know, folks. Apple, if you haven't heard, did you hear about this? I I did. Conan, let me tell you, I heard about this. Apple at I their event this. announced that the new iPhone isn't going to have a headphone jack. Did you hear about this? I, I heard about this? about this. Conan, let me tell you, I heard about this. Well, let me tell you. Please go on. If, if I wanted wireless Bluetooth earbuds, I'd just cut the, the cord off of the ones I have. Hey! Saved you $150 right there. Hey! Oh! So. Bimba bamba. Hey, know. Maron. There you go. Good bit. So. That's the podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. Okay, you know what? Why not? Why not talk about that? Because <laughs> there's not much to talk about. Miyamoto showed up. It is a very funny, spectacularly stupid idea. What, the, um, removing the headphone jack? Yeah. Yes. I use mine every single day. Yep. And uh, you know what? Headphones, people don't want to replace them frequently. I lose mine constantly. And those are with cords. But, and they're not you know, tiny. Exactly. For one, you don't want to replace them frequently. And two, yeah, you definitely don't want to be losing them. With and I like being able the size to, of marbles. And I like being able to replace them for like ten bucks. Yeah, yeah. If you just want like a shitty yeah. But uh yeah, it's a bad I idea. Get... It's a bad idea, but people are still gonna buy the iPhone. So there you go. They'll come out with an iPhone seven S that does have a headphone jack. It's yeah, that's I the guarantee version. you that shit's gonna happen. But anyway, it's Apple being Apple. They they call themselves courageous. It seems I can't disagree. It's a, it's a gamble that won't pay it's off. It's courage. It's courage. It, it really bravery. shows the strength of the company. And uh, you know. Cook himself really. Um, yeah. Thanks, Tim, um, for all you've done. It's like I mean, this is this is when they decided you know not to have a right click. Why do you need a right click? You know, just I can't press think a of a reason why you want that. Click, that's so yeah. much easier and better. Apple. It's like just... you bring both hands into the experience. You spend twice as much time focusing on the Apple uh, paves the way. The joy of right clicking. Uh, they do, really. Um, skip, skip. When has a mobile phone last surprised you? I want to know this. Like there were some cool updates in the history of smartphones one that stands out to me is like the I, retina display i can tell you very specifically the last time it surprised me i don't know which iphone it was but there was an iphone that came out where the camera had a uh like a macro setting where you could you could close up on really like really small items and make a high quality picture of something really tiny and i was like holy shit that's really cool and the first time i saw one of those pictures i was like that's taken with a professional camera but then i found out it was an iphone and i was like oh that's cool. And that was like a decade ago or more. A decade? Yeah, I think so. 
For a super high quality macro picture? Yeah. I don't know about that. Unless that it was... wasn't actually that high okay, quality. Okay, not a decade. Not a decade. It's seven years? Yeah, like a decade is iPhone 1 territory. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Seven years. Seven years. Okay. All right. Something like that. But yeah, that's that's legitimately, I think, the last time I was impressed. I mean, the Retina display, I, that, I, in my opinion, the displays have just been getting really higher solid. resolution, and at this point, I don't care, because it's so small well, that it doesn't make any difference. I, you know, that was the big jump, though. Before that, cell phones did not have that pixel density. They were still noticeably less detailed yeah. than like computer monitors, and this finally brought it up to speed, where I don't even think you need more resolution per inch anymore. You know no, that unless that you're doing VR, that density. Well, who fucking cares? Nobody VRs on their phone. What a yeah, ridiculous thing! Yeah, they do. The Google Cardboard is actually Samsung pretty popular. VR, whatever. Yeah, like it's that. pretty popular. Nobody, no, it's not. It's pretend popular. It's popular among a uh, no one. Which I, is I why can't it's imagine doing it, but I know that there's a lot of people who do. I have never encountered one in my life. I've encountered them on the internet. I don't know. I know they exist. They're out there. Yeah, but. Because what they say is they go around and they say, it's surprisingly good. It's surprisingly good. It's not as good as the headsets, but it's surprisingly good. I think they're, they were uh, people susceptible to being surprised. Yeah. That's what uh, I think. I think it's people who haven't actually used VR headsets. Because yeah, I can't yeah. imagine the phone being anywhere near as high quality as the Oculus that I I've put used. one on. It, it was kind of cool. Like the effect, you could turn to your right and you'd be in, like, in a movie theater and you'd see like the shine of the light on the seat cushion next to you. Okay, it was but that's cool. just VR in general. Exactly, right. It was really blurry, though, and just strange. I don't know. I wouldn't want to look at that for a very long time. Okay, well, this is a podcast about video games, believe Ostensibly. it or not. Allegedly, someone such as where to 4 etc., um, under the above. Skippy, vis-a-vis. what have you been... Vis-a-vis my per se, Skippy. <laughs> um... What you been up to? Uh, I I have a lot of games that are on my list to play, like Deus Ex, uh, the 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 abducted game that the Mist creators. Did I talk about abducted? Yeah, I did. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. with uh, an O, um, abducted. Yeah, I haven't really talked about. I haven't played those since I talked about them because all of my time has been sucked up playing Overwatch. Oh, which hey. I have better games to play, even better multiplayer competitive games to play. And I'll get to that in a second. But I, I can't stop. I can't stop playing Overwatch. And I, I, it scares me. Uh, it, makes me it makes me question myself. Uh, it's just, you know, it's not a bad game. But it's not good enough for the amount of time and effort that I'm putting into it. I'm solo queuing just to see how it goes. And it's gone really badly. Yeah, they have a really does. weird. They have a matchmaking system that just doesn't seem to work very well. Um, let me go into that. That's actually. also true. It, yeah, it, they, they. So, in my opinion, your perfect matchmaking system is just if you lose, you lose rank. If you win, you win rank. And it and how much you lose and win, how much points you you lose and win depends on how comparatively the people you played against ranked. Yeah, um, Elo. Elo, exactly. They could do that with Overwatch very easily. It's a very simple algorithm. But instead, they're trying to factor in, and it's not really known exactly how they do this, but it's pretty well known. Um, they've tried to factor in individual skill and say, well, if you were a better player than the rest of your teammates and you still lost, you're not going to lose as much rank. Uh, or if you were the worst player, then you're going to lose more rank. And 
the thing about Overwatch is that it's so it's so hard to measure individual performance from a statistical standpoint that that's almost impossible. It's like it's pointless to try to do that because so many things that you do in that game might not even net you any points at all. Uh, it's a team-based game with tons of abilities and tons of situations. This is, it's somebody's statistical wet dream, though. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sure there's, there's tons of analysts having so much There's fun somebody with playing oh, yeah. with this. I, I would where... love doing that. I'm a statistics nerd, and I love that shit, and I know you are. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's the best way to do yeah. it. Yeah. Because somebody as large as Blizzard, most of the time, if a multiplayer game implemented some stupid matchmaking system, even something like CSGO, I would kind of be skeptical of it and think, oh, this is just poorly considered or whatever. But Blizzard, I figure, they're so singularly focused to such few things that this seems like something they are pouring full-time effort and attention into. And, you know, I actually kind of do trust their ability to work out eventually some kind of accurate like regression model God, i think they've chosen the individual scale though i mean csgo I think, that'd be easy eventually the power of big data the frightening power of big data will somehow do this and we saw this back in as early as cs source was it or was it tf2 but when, TF2 once valve started releasing the no they didn't have the ranking but they had the heat maps oh yeah definitely where it would show yeah. you yeah like Valve forever has been collecting detailed yeah. <laughs> data about their games, and Valve themselves they had as their um, I forget what the actual position was. I think it was just economist at Valve, yeah. but he wound up doing a lot with their store and you know, the real the real start technology of it was Halo Two. Actually, Halo Two is your oh, first yeah, matchmaking. Yeah, they had the they had. They had a ranking system, but I mean, we're not even we're talking super rudimentary compared to what we're talking about, but um. They had heat maps. They had all sorts of statistics. You could go online. You could go on this website, log in, and you could see tons of stati- like very, very detailed, very impressive. Very few games even even scratch the surface of this kind of detail these days. And this was back in Halo Two. But you could go on. You could see like here's where you died, and here's where you made kills from this part of the oh, map yeah, to this yeah. part of the map at this time stamp. Like I, I really wish more yeah. games would do that. It was it's really cool. And you know that the developers, they must have access to all kinds of information that we oh, don't. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, Like, I bet you there is an optimal team that has been statistically <laughs> netted out at this yeah. point where they they know that teams composed this way are X percent more yeah. likely to win than teams composed but, that way. But, but Overwatch in particular, you've got so many heroes... Uh, and so many different play styles, and and it's such a team based game. Like what I'm learning every time I play more and more is that, unlike CS:GO, where you can be better than all your teammates and do really well and know you're doing really well and carry the team to a to an extent, but you're still relying on your teammates to also do well. But you can carry. You can you can do really well by yourself. Overwatch, it yeah, doesn't I'll matter. It doesn't make any difference. Or wait, when we're um, Wait, hold on. Maybe I didn't understand what you were about to say. Well, Overwatch, you can carry to some extent with like certain heroes and stuff. You can you can do all right, um, and you can help the team a lot. But if you're playing against a team that's well organized and actually uses some sort of strategy and plan, it, it, it's it's a blowout. Uh, yeah. And CS:GO, yeah. I guess, would be the same way. It's it's just that CS:GO. The the strategies are very basic, and everyone kind of knows them and knows what to do at a certain rank. Where it's like, yep. 
you know two people here, three people here. If this person dies, start rotating, that kind of thing. It's And you're making constant call-outs. The communication is very simple, easy to understand. Everyone does it the same way. And Overwatch, that meta hasn't developed at all. It hasn't had the advantage of, like, what, 15 years <laughs> of existing. Um, and yeah, so people the... are just running around doing whatever they can and, and trying to figure out strategies sometimes. But a lot of time, you just get a team of no communication. People just running around trying to do their own thing, and it doesn't work at all. I kind of see it in a more positive way. I think that in CSGO, the level of play where extremely technical detail and skill is necessary, that's more attainable than it is in Overwatch. I think for the most part in Overwatch, games are still won by, I don't know, just kind of match by match. We've really got it together. We've got a composition. We know how to change when things aren't working. It feels like things are coming together nicely when you're winning in Overwatch, whereas CSGO, for I'd say, let's pretend you're looking at two people who've both played each game 200 hours or something like that. I think that the 200-hour CSGO player is now looking into things like, oh, the exact weapon recoil pattern, whereas in Overwatch, it's still kind of in the realm of what kind of decisions am I making with my team, which honestly is more interesting when you don't have all the time in the world. I I mean, I agree. I, I like the idea that overwatch is far, far more based on strategy and uh, counter picks and, and, you know, what you would call the meta, uh, than, than something like CSGO, which is basically, I mean, it is individual skill at a certain point. I mean, you, yeah, you can, you can coordinate with your teammates to run plays of, of, of certain kinds and, and do well with those. But for the most part, you're, you're, you're trying to improve your own skill, uh, how quick you can put your crosshairs on another player's head and shoot. Yep. Uh, yeah. And overwatch, I, there's some heroes where there's none of that kind of skill at all. Like it doesn't like, like you technically are as good as someone just starting out. It's just that if you know the strategies, yeah. and you know how to play the game, on a larger scale, then then you can you can run circles around people just because you've got that team mix that that strategy. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking about that um, when I was watching footage of someone being Soldier seventy six. For some reason, I was watching an Overwatch video <laughs> and somebody used their alt at Soldier seventy six and he does the aimbot mm-hmm. thing, and then it made me think like, you know what, an aimbot wouldn't really be that destructive to this game. Not at all. Somebody on the other team could be aimbotting, and you could still win in this yeah. game. Uh, I don't know. It would be very difficult because, you know, they're doing pretty well if there's somebody like McCree or Soldier 76 or people like that. But you could win. It, you could yeah. pull it off. And, and people don't get accused of cheating very I, I got accused of aimbotting once just because they were watching my play of the game and my screen was jerking <laughs> around because my hands are jerky as fuck when I'm playing. <laughs> and they were like, you're, you're aimbotting. That's moving like an aimbot. And I'm like, sure, man. Uh, yeah, but uh, it, it, that's the only time I've ever seen anyone accused of cheating, and because there's no way it doesn't. First of all, it doesn't matter. Uh, second of all, it would be very hard to figure out. Uh, even though you've got kill cams and stuff, it's just that game has built-in aimbots and or or built-in wall hacks, that kind of thing. It, it's a complicated enough game where like to try to figure that stuff out would be kind of difficult. Um, right. You can't cheat in a MOBA. Um, you can't cheat in a fighting I game. I guess you could. Like if you had, more, like, knowledge, you, like, you know, if you well. could, like, unlock the parts of the map that you can't see or something. But it's much... It's harder to detect, Whatever, and I right? think it's it's not as common, because it just doesn't... It doesn't have that, that, that satisfaction that cheating in something like CSGO has. Right. 
CSGO, you turn on your aimbot immediately, yeah. a whole team dead every time, no questions. Just because it's so simple, and it's really about execution, and the aimbot takes the meat of the challenge of the game, the execution, and closes the entire gap and makes you perfect, and you win. But with Overwatch, execution is such a small piece of the overall puzzle yeah. that a, a cheat wouldn't really impact the outcome. And so, getting to what I was, the point I was trying to make, uh, that part of the game that I like about it, the part of the game that I think makes it a strong game, also makes it so so frustrating to solo queue. Uh, you've got six v six, so there's a very high random uh, factor in there inherently. Uh, it seems like the matchmaking doesn't do a very good job of matching similarly skilled players together. I, I'm in, I would say over half of the matches I'm in are, are not necessarily stomps, like one-sided completely, but very... Just to confirm here, to confirm here, are you solo queuing quick play competitive. or competitive? Quick play, I don't know if, I'm sure okay. quick play has some more behind-the-scenes rating system, but I, I don't know. I haven't... I haven't played competitive in ages. I've been they're in season two just now, and they've kind of changed the system. But I don't know exactly I, I saw, how. Yeah. But um, it, I, I think they made the ranks on like a one to one thousand scale, and one they to made 5, it so 000. that like your okay, sure, and uh, that your elo skill is always accurate, but like the rank you attain doesn't go down after you've no. attained it, so it's still skill based. But once you like get up to well, gold, you've, you've or got the, it is, if you go down below, you've it, got you the keep label gold. like the StarCraft two, like I'm in diamond, I'm in silver, right. or whatever. That's just a label. I don't think it it factors into matchmaking at all. Um, and once you reach, I'm at platinum now. Once you reach platinum, no matter how bad yeah. you do, it will always show you as platinum. I've played yeah. with diamond players who are obviously have been ranked down since they got to diamond. So that just sticks on there so that you can feel good about yourself. Um, but but they show you numerically, here is your ELO score. And it goes up when you win and down when right. you lose. Um, and although they do they do kind of baby you a little bit, when it goes up, it goes... And shows you exactly how much it went up. When it goes down, it just shows your new score and kind of says, like, look, there it is. Like, don't, don't feel bad. Uh, they try very hard not to hurt your feelings in this game. Uh, but... So, anyway, yeah, it's still ELO... At its core, but it but it has some sort of weird individual ranking thing that doesn't seem to work very well. And my point is, I've been doing that. I've been solo queuing. I had a really bad. They do ten placement matches where you're you're playing against other unranked players ten times to see how you rank. And I didn't do super well in those, or at least my teams didn't do super well in those. And that was before I started kind of developing a solo queue strategy. So I would like pick a, a support player that I know the team needs even though the team's not good enough for me to be effective with the support player, you know? So I'd be picking Lucio with a team that doesn't take any advantage of him and, and just losing. Um, and so I got, I didn't rank all that rank all that high. I was like 2,400 or something like that. And then kept on losing and kept on losing. I went down to the, to the 2,200s and I was like, well, shit, maybe I'm just not as good as I thought. Maybe that this is where I belong. And then, and then I started winning out of nowhere and, and, and went all the way up to, I'm in like 20, like 700 now. And it doesn't, (laughs) I can't say that I've been doing better to win than I was when I was losing. It's just a matter of, I, I I show up with a team who's, who knows what to do and that's great. Or I show up with a team who doesn't know what to do and that's terrible. And almost a hundred percent of the time when you lose, 
I would say, yeah, nearly 100% of the time, there's someone on the team that has to speak up and point the finger at someone else or the entire other, the entire yeah. rest of the team and say, you fucking guys don't know what you're doing. Da, 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 da. I rarely talk about toxic communities and toxic players, but holy shit, is it annoying? It's like, it's so predictable, too. Like, you, you know it's coming. It's like, okay, we lost. Who's it going to be? Fuck, yeah, who's it going to be? Who's going to be the one to speak up? And who's who are they going to blame? And 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 it never makes any sense. Like their their reasoning for why they're blaming that person never makes any sense. Uh, They'll start blaming the. Mercy I actually don't see that a lot. I don't see the support blamed like a, a lot. It's always it's 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 always like, oh god, it's it's usually you picked the wrong character. People have become really obsessed with like here's the right characters to pick on these game modes. Period. Do not do not go outside of this formula, um, and and that's their whole problem. And like I can understand that you know okay you don't want a widowmaker on attack even though if it's a good widowmaker it could still be helpful. You, you don't generally want that, but this will be like yeah junk rat on king of the hill which is fine. That's that's a fine pick. That makes sense. It's fine, but that's that's who they choose to lose like that's who lost it for him that's the, who lost it for the team and it, it just happens so consistently it's mind-blowing now that i've started ranking up it's gotten a little better actually i've actually started to notice the difference but the frustrating part is like i just feel like i'm swept along in the tide and that there, it doesn't matter what the hell i'm doing i'm just being ranked randomly because it doesn't it's whoever i show up with you know what team i'm placed on it depends who i who, who wins and who loses and like sometimes the matchmaking does really simple shit that i'm like why the fuck is it doing this? Like, it shows you when people are teamed together and entering a match as a group. And it's nice yeah, that it does that. I understand. But it's also frustrating because it'll be like, okay, we're all solo queuers playing against two teams of two yep. groups. But I, at I'm least glad you know. know. I'm glad, that still I'm glad they tell the you. Past. But it's like, why not now bring you know. one of those two groups over to our side and make it somewhat balanced? Because usually the groups are a little better. Um, yeah, if yeah, it just doesn't. Teams, it, it, I totally it, understand that. They, they, they show their flaws with the matchmaking. You know, CS:GO or something. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes, and so you just hope it's working. And for me, most of my I haven't played in a while, but most of my CS:GO competitive matches are very close. Every once in a while, it's it's a rollover, like it's just a complete smashing. But seventy five percent or more of the time, it's like that was a good game. It'll be within like. I don't know, uh, fifteen yeah. and eleven, uh, but and with most over, of the time, something like that. Yeah, where but it with feels Overwatch, like it, it was it's, possible. It's almost always off. a stomp. It's almost always one team just handily won, and very, very, very rarely a close game. I've had a couple of close games, uh, and maybe that's part of the nature of the game. But it just seems like Jesus Christ, there's, there's something going on here. Uh, I don't know, and I've just been lucky that. That lately, I've been on the side of of the team that just gets lucky and and seems to be way better than the other team. And anyway, it's very frustrating, but I can't stop playing, and I'm I'm enjoying the hell out of it, even even when I'm losing and getting really frustrated. Well, you know the the discussion of the matchmaking. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about Smash specifically because there's nothing more to say, but. I've been getting back into the rank competitive online smash and um totally different kind of matchmaking elo ranked multiplayer style well when it's not a team game Overwatch. 
for one, there's no... Yeah, exactly. Not a team game. So very, very strict Evo. No special formulas made to make you feel better. Um, unlike what you were just describing with Overwatch, my rank on Smash Ladder is very stable. And I find that I haven't been like keeping up with the seasons. They like reset your ranks every few months. But once I like get my rank back... It's always just only slightly yeah. better than it was the last time. And that's how and CSGO has always been for me. The rest of the season. Even though that's a team game. Yeah, but... yeah. yeah you'll get, you'll get yeah. very gradually better. Like, I remember being, I don't know, Gold Nova. Was it, I think, Gold Nova 1 or 2 I was. And then I remember working my way up through the 2 and 3 and 4. And then I got the AK and I was that for a while. And then I got the double thing. And But it, it was yeah. over months and months. It wasn't a matter of going from, what is it, rank... They changed the system, but back when I was playing the ranked Overwatch, it was like, I went from 45 to Yeah, I went to 60-something to, like, just like low very 50s. Quickly. And it was like, I, I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like it was very much yeah. dependent on who I was playing with. That whenever I would play alone, I would lose, and I would go down. And whenever I played with friends... Who were oh, talking? Yeah. Absolutely, talking is the key thing. I, I think it matters way more than skill, really. Um, I really miss the days too. I think Overwatch could have worked better if it came out ten years ago, because people would be talking more. Yeah, the maybe pubs. it's become a it's become more of a thing nowadays to like get in a, a server with your friends and just talk with them rather than rather than talk with the random other people. Um, but I remember in TF2, I found a server of people I liked who always talked, and that was that. It was like you found your server. Um, yeah, exactly. It was, yeah, that was okay. I, I was thinking about this, too, the other day, um, because folks at home, let's address listen, the folks. folks. We've been talking to each other for a while. Let's bring it straight back to the folks. So to the folks at home who want to know how the magic happens, um, we record the podcast, and we... Um, grab the voice that you're hearing right now through your very speakers. We grab it through Mumble because Mumble's a, a fun program, but more than being a good program with better voice quality than Skype, it's what Skippy and I used the most when we were like playing video games with other people on the internet. Um, it's like a Mumble server is a totally Absolute, different yeah. thing than a, a Discord. Discord, I think, on basically every level is probably. I still a don't understand program. Discord. I, I don't. Um, I've, I've it, got it, but I don't. It's it's. Yeah, it's exactly what it says. It is. I mean, there's totally transient servers. You just make one. They're like specific to people. Like this is yeah. my Discord. Hang out, and then people leave and go to other ones. With a mumble, or if you had a Teamspeak or something like that, that was much more of a a static place. Where people would go yeah, and like hang out. I don't know. That Definitely. whole thing is changing. Um, like small communities, I I am afraid don't exist. Yeah. the way they uh, used to anymore. Yeah, definitely not the uh, way they used to. But uh, I, I, but the the way it was, it felt like they were actually kind of distinct or had identities of some kind. Maybe there's only been people with another. their little IRC servers like could, and Teamspeak servers, but. Yeah, I think that specifically is what's falling by the wayside yeah, here. I, I think those still exist, and I think Discord kind of fills that niche in a way. But it used to be, in the video game world, it used to be way more focused on individual games. 
this is we have a Team Fortress Two server, yeah, and forums or whatever, and 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 that's what we do is we do Team Fortress Two, and if I want to go play Battlefield Two, then I have a different group for that. Maybe I have the same group if I'm lucky, but I remember being a part of different little groups, and uh, and and now you know like. For years, it was every day going to the ABF Mumble, going to the ABF Mumble every day. It was the community, and Fuck, I know y'all do the yeah, same man. thing. I don't, I don't really join the the Brutalcom network very often. I, um, I can't exactly. I can't it's anymore, like it's like, and, and when I come like, home from work, that's... the last thing I want to do is like is like jump in the chat room. But uh, <laughs> right, unless there's something to, you know, if the, unless there's something to do or actually discuss. But when you're just sitting there and Blah, 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 and the same kind of banter. I don't know. I guess I I outgrow it, or yeah, your life just I, just just can't can't revolve around it the way it, it needs to. Accommodate but, um, it, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I I, I, it, I would have a much much better experience with Overwatch if I played with other players. But for some reason, first of all, I've kind of made it like an experiment. Like how how is solo queue? How is that how is that going to work? How is it going to ha- happen? Okay. How am I going to get? Yeah, right, exactly. You're going Neil deGrasse That's Tyson. Here, how, I, um, I was like, how, how, what kind of range, range <laughs> am I going to make? What kind of people am I going to be playing with? And it has been legitimately interesting so far, and and it's changed a lot. And so I'm 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 interested to see like where where it leads, I guess. Because uh, at first I was playing with not one specific group, but I would try to jump into groups in Overwatch. And it's a lot of fun because you're all organized, and you're you have people to, to that you know you can communicate with. But uh, that takes a level of effort that I don't want to put forth when I'm just sitting down at my computer and I'm like, I should play a game of Overwatch. I don't want to have to go message six different people to try to get them to play. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. just a pain. And I've got to experiment. I've got to do science. I do it for the podcast. It's a pain, yeah. much like the, the but, world. No, it's what Reaper feels um, every day. Uh, I, I have been... Poor Reaper. So... Something else that I've been playing. Rocket League's update. Rocket League had an update. Speaking Rocket of competitive Leagues. online games. Here we go. This is not a competitive game mode. I think it could be. You probably have to tweak it, but Rocket League came out with an update where they give you abilities. It, it, they're on a 10 second timer, they count down, and you get a random ability, and you can use it whenever you want, and then 10 second countdown. It is fucking amazing. It is so much fun. There's so it's completely random, but you 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 might get a uh, a punching glove, and it comes out of sort of yeah, like a Mario uh, Kart kind it, of box. It, it, you you get your little ability, and it's like okay, I've got the punching glove, and you can select a player on the other team and and hit them with a big glove that comes out of your car, and it'll knock them away, or uh, or a freeze thing that freezes the ball in place, uh, or a magnet that magnetizes it towards you or a grappling hook that pulls you towards the ball it completely changes the game it makes it something way 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 different um it's a lot of fun it's really goofy i the, the first several games i was playing i was just constant like laughing i was just having so much fun i was just laughing it, it's i i can't recommend it enough if you already own rocket league just launch it up play the new game mode because it's it's a ton of fun but uh but yeah i i i, I kind of hope they they update that game a lot, and I'd like to see them kind of expand this a little bit and actually like make it a thing, because I think that it 
Rocket League is a very simple game. Yes, there's a lot of depth to it, but at its heart, it's a very simple little sport uh, that that a few abilities can completely throw a wrench in the thing and in a good way and, and make it have all sorts of different strategies and stuff. Like I found myself saying like, okay, I've got the punching glove and uh, we've got the ball in a corner. I can just tell my teammate, just cross it across the goal mouth as fast as possible, which usually you don't want to do. You want to kind of lob it, but it's just like, just shoot that thing across the goal mouth and I'll punch it into the goal. And you can do that. You can do stuff like that where previously that that's not how you set up a play. And uh, it, it makes it fun. It's cool. I had a lot of fun. And then I played Overwatch. It's been a, a long I recommend time it. I recommend that. just launching that up. Oh, and they Rocket added League. they added I'd fucking be... skins and shit that are actually worth I would say worth money. Like not like CSGO skins. Okay. Not that I would not that I'm gonna pay oh, for them. Man. Don't get me wrong. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. Listen, pal. I, I would pay for them, but I would never use oh, my yeah. angry ghost skin. I, of course not. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, CSGO skins, I think, generally are pointless and look stupid. Uh, and yeah, I, and the, the pricing on them is makes no sense to me. But they've added these like skins in Rocket League where you can get like a paint job that has that's animated. And so, like, you can have, like, bubbles that, like, run down your car. And, like, it, it, they're just really cool. Like, like, they're legitimately cool, and they've clearly spent a lot of effort on them, and they have their own little... It's more than just a skin. It, it usually has some sort of effect along with it that's really neat. And it's made me say, like, you know what? I could unlock this case for $1.99. That, that would be reasonable. That'd be a reasonable price for this. I haven't done it. I haven't <laughs> done it. But I, I could see I myself should. doing that. I could see myself doing it. I'm not going to lie. You. Partially because I like the dev, I, I like the game, I like the developer, okay. and I spent like ten dollars on that game. So, yeah, I'm all about it's the all devs about here. supporting the devs. At the end of the day, we are all for the devs. Please support the devs. Um, have any devs been cooking shit up lately? Oh yeah, you know what? They have. <laughs> Last Guardian. <laughs> um, it got delayed again. Uh, this time though. They delayed it yeah. by like two months. It's Was December, it? like mid December, something like that, a month and a half. Yeah, they are clearly approaching One the hopes. end. Um, you know, once you set a release date and then you set another specific release date after that, like in the way of months and days, I think it's imminent. But uh, I could, I, too, I yeah. could still see another delay. Just because it's the last guardian. Yeah, but you know what? I think, if it delays, like this, I think if it delays again, it right. it'll be because just, of marketing reasons. Like, we don't want to release right before Christmas. It just doesn't make sense. And could, we, want to, yeah. we, we would rather it be on the quarter one reports or whatever, you know? So I, I could see that happening. Oh, fuck. <laughs> whatever. I, I can not. wait. I can wait. It's fine. <laughs> I kind of hope not. I can. Yeah. I definitely can. But I'd rather not. Um, Death Stranding will <laughs> probably come out in twenty. And then be delayed till like 2022. Uh, We'll have four E3 trailers before it comes out. Okay, so... <laughs> yeah. So the real news, I guess, is um, the PlayStation Pro... It's PS4 Pro. Um, yeah, it is. And you know what? The, how I feel about this totally depends on one specific announcement. Is there a patch for Bloodborne? Does it increase the frame rate? 
like I'm dead serious, I would be legitimately tempted to buy. One I wouldn't cross my fingers. If you could play Bloodborne, if you could play Bloodborne at 60 FPS, I would get make Sony seriously make me consider buying a PS Pro. After I, that whole the whole consoles thing coming out with like, oh, this is now the beefier console. Two years later, it, it makes it turns me away from consoles so much more than I already am. Oh yeah, totally. <sighs> totally. And, uh, did you know that the PS the PS4 Pro or whatever? It's it's 4K compatible. Doesn't have a 4K Blu-ray disc reader. This is Sony who owns Blu-ray and it doesn't have a 4K Blu-ray <laughs> disc reader. Xbox One. Does, <laughs> yeah, amazing. So, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, the pro. <laughs> I guess you gotta say costs. I mean, I mean, Blu-ray is not much of a thing. Like, it won the battle against HD DVD, but at the same time that Netflix started becoming a thing, so Blu-ray's not really. It, it's always been a struggle, anyway. Yeah, but 4K streaming. You're right. That's also not much of a thing. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I I have a feeling they sat down, they looked at market research, and they said nobody's going to use this 4K Blu-ray reader. Like nobody. And 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 they're the ones that would have the data to back that up and say like this is how many 4K DVDs or Blu-rays we sell. And and so yeah, I I, I, it probably makes sense. It just blows my mind. I don't know. That thing, it's all weird. I, uh, consoles are now iPhones, and I I don't get it, and I don't want any part of it. But I need a PS4 if I'm going to play The Last Guardian, and I'll probably just end up like borrowing my brother-in-law's again. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know what? You can get the PS4 Slim. That would be... I think the PS4 Slim is going to be a totally yes, but then I, don't, I, I, I see people looking at the PS... Um, the, the Slim and saying, like, well, why don't I just get the Pro? Yeah, but, I mean, if you were to actually just ignore what other people are doing, if you had to get a PS4 or were considering one, you've got, what? what is the yeah, Slim probably. now, 300 bucks? So 300 bucks, you get to play Bloodborne, Uncharted 4, um, Last Guardian, uh, Until Dawn. Like, it's a solid lineup. And then they got that Dreams game yeah. coming out. I think it's only just now... Getting, yes, Horizon, Horizon Zero Dawn. Because, because like, uh, I think it's getting yeah, a until dawn. I wouldn't get, it, and I think that's a PC game anyway. Uh, until sure dawn is definitely not. on Steam. Okay, I'm well, I still wouldn't get positive. it. I've seen it. Absolutely positive. I've got, I've got my fill out of a, of a watch through of that game. I'd rather have played it, but that's in retrospect. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But Uncharted, I, I, you know, I get the whole Uncharted question. I haven't played that. a single Uncharted game. That would be a big deal. Yes, yeah. would. Just skip the first one. Yeah. We'll see. Just honestly skip it. <laughs> Not good. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the Death Stranding <sighs> seems threatening. Like I, don't, I, don't so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's too far away. <laughs> I, I don't know what to think. I think by the time it comes I out, it, the think. PS4, I think consoles will be on the decline by the time it comes out. I don't think consoles have a lasting appeal. By the way, by the way, 
Did you see the latest Kojima no. picks? Oh yeah, he's I tweeted quite yeah, a yeah, few yeah. picks. Guillermo de Toro does what Del Toro. And in these picks, he's like sitting in front of. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that one, but I saw a pick where he was sitting in front of a screen that showed like a motion capture display, and the watermark on the screen said PT. What? And yeah, and there was another shot of him like sitting there, and there's a table. I, I saw that one, but he was just with a, a paper bag he was on a funny it. joke. Well, yes, but it's these behind the scenes shots of what seems like Death Stranding shit. And now the PT And he are took a picture with Guillermo del, del Toro. He did do that. Where he, yeah, yeah. I think, I think he sent a message here. I think he sent a message, my friend. I think he is saying. Where does the PT show show up? The spirit of it. Just look at his Twitter. Um, it's like a a shot of him sitting in front of a TV, and the TV shows a shot of like a yeah. chair with motion capture cameras all around it. Yeah, that that, and in the bottom right corner of the TV, the it's the TV, PT. but I'll take your word for it. And uh, you know what? I am to- exactly yeah. I, I, you know, you can just Google it later. But um, I have always been skeptical of reading too much into. I mean, oh, it is Kojima trolling. Right. I I think this is pretty blatant at this point. Um, it's not a total accident that. It was a massive watermark that said PT and Norman Reedus. And I mean, Guillermo I wouldn't be surprised if he was working with Norman Reedus and, De- and Guillermo del Toro on a new thing that's not related to PT. I don't think he'll come out with a game called I, PT, though. Well, uh, oh, oh, of course not. Of course not. I think this is just him signaling like the same. He didn't forget no. about the ideas he had. If he was tapped to direct Silent Hills and was coming off of his series that he'd been stuck in for decades. And he finally had the chance to start churning up some new ideas. Like he probably had some stuff. But I think in his they've head that come out to do. I think they've come out and, and said like, oh, well, we're making it. an action and adventure game or something like that." <laughs> True. You see, that's yeah. the stuff that I'm skeptical of. I, I don't, I don't believe yeah. any of that until I see a game. Plus, game. they're probably still in such early, early development stages. I don't no, even think I think they with all this the game equipment they have, they're they're literally just fucking around with it at this point. That's I can just see that happening, where it's just like, eh, fuck it, let's yeah, record this thing and I see if we can, can make too. something out of it. Um, and I bet you that that is actually productive. I, that's probably the, the right way to do things. I'm, I bet he yeah, like will have yeah. some ideas out of that process. But yeah, who knows when we'll get to play that. That might be a PS5 game. That might be this generation's just, last Guardian. Oh I just shit. don't want it to be... Oh, um, you don't... It's like a curse. Yeah. You don't get one out the door without having another uh, adventure that I just to don't, develop in hell. I don't want consoles to continue to be a thing. I feel like Microsoft is doing a good job trying to, to destroy consoles by saying everything that comes out on the Xbox One is going to come out on the PC as well, which puts PS4 at an advantage and a disadvantage. I just, I think our future lies in Steambox esque devices. I I would agree with you, but I'm I'm sure a lot of people, people don't. But I think people are I think people are going to buy a three hundred dollar PS4 and they're going to be able to play FIFA and they're going to be able to play Call of Duty and they're going to be able to play, um, you know, some cool games too. And unless Microsoft comes out with something to after the Xbox. And, 
Well, they'll probably still call it the Xbox, but they come out with something, and it is essentially a PC. But it, but it, but it's called an Xbox. You use an Xbox controller. It just has the same infrastructure as a PC, and and it just further connecting those two like, platforms. Okay. I I could see Mike at this point because Microsoft is quite a ways sales wise the PS4. They're, they're catching I mean, up, but it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not really not even close. So. I could see them experimenting yeah. with something like they that. They already are. Like I could see them going close to full Apple. Um, well, they already are, but I could see them releasing incremental consoles more frequently yeah. even than you'd expect. Uh, not every year. I think that would be too much, but once every two years. And they could make years, it like a PC where because they don't have a specific kind of operating system or infrastructure or whatever the techno babble shit and I'm trying to talk about my ass about is <laughs> they could always be backwards compatible the same way a PC pretty much always is backwards compatible yeah. and they could always improve without destroying the last iteration and uh, so it doesn't matter that your friend has two two versions behind except maybe he can't play the upcoming game that comes out that is super graphically intensive although maybe there'll be graphic settings that automatically adjust based oh, yeah. on the version or whatever it, right that's what I'm thinking. That so really, it's not that hard if you have the support and the financial incentive. If it was important to make a PC port with working settings where high was actually taxing and medium was kind of capable, you could do it, and then yeah. low, basically anything could handle. If those were standardized and hard coded, and there were only three possible hardware sets, not like a bunch of mid-range cards and a bunch of low-end cards, but here's the low-end console, here's the yeah. middle-end console, here's the higher-end console. And if you enforced some kind of compatibility, like adjacent-wise, where, okay, if you release a game today, it needs to be compatible with the last console sure. yeah. and the next one. And if first parties adhere to that, then they'll still manage to get a lot of mileage out of the console model because people probably won't feel like they're getting ripped off if it's like every. I mean, your old iPhone can't play can't play the latest mobile games playing. anyway. Right, right. But yeah. your three-year-old iPhone probably and, could. And in the case of an Xbox, you could just put it on the back of the box. This supports Xbox Five and higher. You know, or whatever, and and that would be an effective, I think, way to yeah. I, I and I think that that's the future of it. Yeah. I don't think, I don't know. Maybe the PS4 would stick around and just be its own thing, but I just I don't know. I think because I I think they know they know at this point because the PC market has proved it that people who are really into games they want to push it. They want better visuals. They want faster performance. It's not just PC builders who are into this thing. I mean, people who play on console are becoming aware of this kind of talk now what with the internet and YouTube and people who talk about this stuff. Um, I think it's become pretty common knowledge, yeah. really. Uh, I think it informs some purchasing decisions. And even if you move away from that technical level, uh, I think even your average Joe Schmo... He wants the more powerful console. Yeah. If he can, get one. And the easiest way to do that um, is to just so, make basically a PC yeah. that's standardized. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, 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 just, what, I just hope that our future isn't 
full of uh, of exclusive games. I hate that shit. I hate that VR tried to go that way. I don't think VR is going to do it, but uh, yeah. Oculus tries to make a bunch of ex- exclusive games, and it just it, it it sucks. It really sucks. I I I kind of agree, but really. I think most of the best games I've ever played have been exclusive. Most? Wow. Really? I mean... I don't know. I would say the opposite. I would say most of... They've either been been PC exclusive, or they've been exclusive to a particular console. Like, I can't think of many multi-plats that have really knocked my socks off. I don't know. That's That's a big conversation to have, but like... A lot of my favorite games, I know for a fact, right off the top of my head, are are, are multi-platform, and nearly all of them are are PC games. If not PC only, then multi-platform and and on PC. So I don't know. I, I there are a lot of good. There's there's been a lot of good exclusives out there, and there's an incentive for game for publishers to say like, shit, you know, we're Microsoft and we need to have Halo, and it's got to be big, and and it works. I'm not talking. I'm not talking strictly first party here. I'm talking things like Metal Gear Solid yeah. Three or something that comes out yeah. only on PS2 at, for a good while, and then it can be eventually ported other things that you know. But a lot of these games, these classics, they only were able to exist and release because there was a publisher who yeah. paid for them to be I would made say if you throw Nintendo into that mix exclusive. which you probably should that's a that that has a lot of really 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 good games. Uh Nintendo's Nintendo's the one that I could see sticking yes. around in the in the scenario I'm talking about where we start moving towards PC is because they can oh, always easy. come out with their weird thing that people are going to get and play. That's Nintendo is going to stick around period. Even even if the NX <laughs> yeah. is exactly what I think it is which is probably not going to be, but if my guess, which is like some Mobile, kind of iPad-y, yeah. Wii U gamepad combined with the thing where it's a you know mobile console and that yeah, everybody thinks that's what it's going to be. Who knows what it will be? But if that's what it was, I would still want it. Like it's cool. I would and want it solely because there's that. probably going to be a bunch of games on it that are really good. That's it. It doesn't matter what oh, the, yeah, the console yeah, yeah. is. I I want the games, and that's what matters. Um, yeah. And they reinforce each other though. Like the creative games Nintendo puts out are only possible because they managed to make so much money on their damn hardware and get everybody under that umbrella and then that yeah. feeds it the other way and you know, there's there's something to be said for exclusive because it I don't know. I think if you go multiplat just by definition you get more generic and accessible and sacrifice some uniqueness. Like a lot of PS3 exclusive games really stand out to me. They tended to be, I don't know, uh, they held your hand last. They were kind of scarier to approach. Yeah, Killzone really uh, blew my socks off with originality. Um, (laughs) Well, Killzone but Demon Souls did, and Shadow of the Colossus did. Well, I know that was PS2. I'm being devil's advocate there because I I do think I think the. I don't think it's. I think you've got it backwards. I don't think it's the fact that multi-platform games tend to be more generic because they're multi-platform. It's the opposite. It's publishers want to impress, and to impress, you need something unique. 
And so you push for developers to make something completely original and, and that, that will make people want to buy your shit because yeah. Call of Duty isn't doing that. Um, it, that's what that's what drives that those unique I, games, those creative games. I wouldn't disagree with you. I just think it cuts both ways um, where it both incentivizes more creativity and disincentivizes yeah. um, homogeneity. But uh, with what you were saying, with, uh, what were you saying? Something about, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the multi-platforms for a while were a big console seller. That the PC gaming platform was so far off of most people's radars that it was a really compelling argument to make PlayStation versus Xbox when you talk about Grand which Theft one will 4. have better graphics in sure, NBA yeah. 2K16. Or whose friends or, are going to be playing Call of Duty on like what Like, that console? matters to people. Yeah. Well, the friends is important, yeah. but that it's kind of hard to control for. I think, though, that uh, the performance or, like, at least the beefiness of hardware has kind of always mattered to people. Even if they didn't really understand it, they ostensibly Maybe. included that I in doubt it makes a big console difference, purchase decision. I think most people assume it runs the same I think on it, both. I think they think about it, though. I don't think they do. I think they think Maybe. it runs better on well, what they're buying. I think so. I think that people who bought an Xbox One, they probably think that it's a better... Not just, like... It's got. I don't think people are going. Blah, 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 I like Halo. I want to play Halo. People don't do that. They probably think, um, well, it may have a slightly underclocked PC, but it's got the cloud I think, graphics. No, I think ninety percent. They probably have ninety percent or like more in their head. buyers of consoles do it. Number one reason, their friends are buying it. Number two reason, or maybe the reason that starts it all, the egg of who, the original friend who who makes the decision to begin with is, well, I'm a Halo fan, and I want the Halo, or I'm used to the Xbox controller, so I want to keep using the Xbox controller, that kind of thing. I don't... I'm, there's, I'm not saying that there's, there's not a good chunk of people who look at stats and say, like, oh, well, you know, my friend says... I, I know for a fact that the E3 showing of Xbox versus Sony was a huge factor, more so than it ever has been, of, like... Well, you know, Xbox is going to have this all, always online, and they're going to have this Connect thing. And uh, bad press came out of that, and 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 the community or the society kind of absorbed that through osmosis. People people heard of that. People didn't necessarily know exactly what it meant, but they but yeah. it factored into their decisions where they were like, "Well, it sounds to me like the PlayStation's the way to go this year." So I'm not discounting that, but I think uh, knowing quite a few of them, it's it's mostly a factor of like. Well, I've always played Call of Duty on the Xbox, so I'm going to get an Xbox. Or I'm a Halo fan; I've got to get the Xbox. Uh, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, you're definitely not wrong. But I think if what you're saying is true in even like ninety percent of cases, then the ten percent who are actually like you know, are in tune to some of the details of what they're buying or would, like, look something up before they bought it, which I don't want to be too cynical and say that's a small amount of people. I think a lot of people do that. They'll at least do a Google search that compares a couple things. Uh, I don't think that's totally foreign to people, really. Um, and even if you just have 10% pushed by some objective factors like hardware 
quality and what games they can play. Not not just like I like Halo level, but kind of looking at you know, even if just ten percent of people right. are doing that, that'll swing. And the those are going to be the first ten percent to make the decision too, the right? I, I, yeah, I, I do agree there, and 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 uh, you know our evidence is right in front of us with PlayStation outselling Xbox, although a lot of factors went into that, including who gives a shit about Halo and Gears of War anymore. Uh, <laughs> that kind of thing, you know, starts to play into it, but. Really yeah. bad uh, miscalculation. That was a very overall. The 360 was a pretty short-sighted yeah, probably. I yeah, because the play, what PlayStation did. Yeah, they didn't do enough. What PlayStation to build did is that they said like, well, Uncharted, the Soul series, like let's put out these good games. We can put them out on the PS3, and now people are buying them on the cheap getting PS3s towards the end of the life cycle on the cheap, and guess what? They start buying PS4s when those come out. I, I, I do think that that was part of a long-term strategy. But anyway, to move on, guess who also is going multi- multi-platform? Our friend Mario. He's going multi-plat. Yeah. Uh, Miyamoto Mario? showed up at the, He's showed up at the Apple event, and everyone went wild. Uh... And proceeded to show off a, an endless runner featuring our friend Mario. You know, someone was describing that to me, and they said, it's called Mario Run, but it's not it's an endless runner. runner. Uh, that's, the, that's the impression I got. Uh, it sounds exactly an like an endless yeah. runner. I'm pretty sure when he dies or gets hit by something or whatever, coins fly out of him Sonic style. Because that's that's a Nintendo staple. Uh, <laughs> it, I, I'm not going to say I'm disappointed because I don't really care. Uh, but it would be nice. My best case scenario would have been Miyamoto comes out and says, we're releasing old Nintendo games on the App Store that you can play on your phone. You know, play Super That'd Mario cool. World on your phone. Especially stuff like... Exactly. Stuff that's playable on a phone, too. I They... Must one day, I like this has to be in the works. They must be releasing the original Pokemon games on phones. That we'll will happen. It, this it is their gateway. Happen. This is their gateway drug. If this it does well, will. which it probably will, because it's Mario and it's Apple, and that's a huge crossover. Uh, it'll it'll happen. That'll be a thing. It'll be Pokemon Go style, whatever. And yeah, with Pokemon Go being a thing, Nintendo saying, "Well, we probably need to release a Pokemon game on the on the phone. This can probably make some games." Um, but I don't know if how supportive has Nintendo been of the idea of like re-releasing their old content of like saying, "Here's an old game on your new console." Is it? Do they do that a lot? Oh. Okay. Okay. Th- that has I been didn't their know. Mantra. I mean, I don't. Ever since the, ever since the, well, what, the Game Boy Advance, yeah, right. perfect backward compatibility with the Game Boy, and then right, so yeah. on with the DS with GBA, and that even supported yeah. Game Boy Color games. The DS did. They have always done perfect one-to-one native backward compatibility of full generation back with no exceptions for any titles. They've run it natively. I just wonder, are they, they... had virtual console okay, yeah. earlier than anyone else did where it perfectly emulates all the old games. They're constantly doing sales of their old games and bundling well, in that them case, with I shit. Do think they it's are inevitable. totally Although I, I, could, I could imagine a boardroom full of executives saying, well, if our NX thing is a mobile thing, then we don't want to give our uh, market away to the, the phones. Uh, but I, it'll probably happen. It'll probably be a thing. Could um, 
yeah, that's that's what I'm kind of thinking that something like Pokemon Yellow or Gold, any of the super nostalgia heavy ones, uh, they'll definitely do better for themselves financially if they release it on phones. Like that will be bigger than Pokemon Go, just because it'll be the wow factor of uh, that classic yeah. retro um, Nintendo. All right, I gotta. I've got a couple Especially other news support. items, one of which right. might be a couple weeks old, but I don't think I brought it up. Are you aware of Ark? Yes. Uh, survival? Uh, still yeah. in early access. I think it's been like a year and a half. Uh, still a top seller mm-hmm. on Steam. Constantly. Uh, they came out with an expansion pack for that game. <laughs> No, it shouldn't be, should it? Early access works, fellas. Yeah, they came out with an expansion pack. Uh, the community revolted because apparently there's a lot of problems with that game that aren't being solved, probably because they already bought it. Uh, and so they're they're getting on forums and stuff, and they're, they got on Discord, and they said things like, how dare you come out with this expansion pack that doesn't fix all these problems that we've known about for a year? Uh, you know, when are you going to fix these really basic issues? Why wasn't this kind of stuff in the original game when you originally promised it? Where are all these other promises that you didn't deliver on? The developer got on there and typed like a literal 12-year-old that had gotten into mom's liquor closet and got on there and just typed (laughs) this diatribe against one specific poster who had very generic complaints that everyone was talking about. (laughs) And just, I'm not going to quote from it right now, but it is... I mean, it is just—it is ridiculous. I guess he didn't expect it to like go out to the internet at large and just intended it to be this small little response to one comment that he was venting all of his anger on. But like, it's embarrassing. Uh, But it won't affect the sales of the game. They're making a bunch of money. They had a booth at PAX that had a giant dinosaur. Yeah. Uh, people weren't so happy about that they said well we gave you this money in early access to make the game and then you bought a giant dinosaur and my my, I say to them you're an idiot for buying an early access game and and thinking that your funds will go to fixing the broken game that you already paid for it's exact you know what at least people are learning it's a slow learning process there's a lot of people who otherwise would have gone through life they would have gone through life and they would, I don't know, they'd hire someone to, to yeah, and they'd pay build them a deck or something. I don't know. <laughs> they'd pay a kind yeah, and then they'd pay, you know what, the early access generation? Sure, they might get scammed by uh, some Star Citizens and some Ark Survival Evolved, but you know what? They are not paying up front for their... I don't know. Uh, I have a cynical attitude where I think Hell that no. these people never change. I think they're the same people and they always will be the same people who are fools that give up their money very easily. Well, you know what? Some people are just fools, but most people are just fools. I hope so. I think someone who's only fooled once is a wise man, not a fool. If you make that first fooling... (laughs) Mass Effect Andromeda. Proverbial. Uh, They came out with gameplay footage at the PS PS Pro (laughs) Uh, PlayStation conference to show off their 4K gameplay on a heavily encoded 1080p what, that's screen. So, such a weird uh, way. Yeah, they showed they start. showed Mass Effect Andromeda, which I I don't know. I guess I guess there were rumors beforehand, but like that's a weird thing to show. Um, like that's your first footage of the game. I would save that, but I, whatever. 
Uh, yeah. It's very pretty. It was uh, very strange. It's on the DICE uh, Frostbite engine, which is a very, very, Frostbite. very good engine. Uh, it looks like a, it looks like a janky-as-fuck Bioware okay. game. I would almost... Yeah, it does. Uh, the only thing that matters here is the story. And... Wasn't a lot of story in there so, to be found. Uh, yeah. It was the most was generic... Jumping, he like, pushed a button. That was you cool. could have shown this gameplay footage in, like, 2006, and it would have fit right in with all the other, like, generic sci-fi-style games coming out. Like, this could have been a Halo preview just as easily as it was a, a, a oh, Mass shit. Effect preview. Um, uh... Speaking of 2006 style games, I don't know. It looks janky, and I, I, if someone told me that the writing in it and the acting and stuff was satire, I would have believed them. So there you go. Okay. So no, uh, did you play not Bioshock? really. I played halfway through it Bioshock. It's well, okay. It's a really it's cool okay. game. Uh, anyway, yeah, Bioshock Collection coming out. And at first, I thought, okay, this is yeah. just. A thing that's fine, money, which it, it is in a lot of ways, but they're upgrading for free your already owned copies of oh, that's cool. I didn't know Bioshock that two on the PC to the new versions. Yeah, it's totally free, it just replaces your old version. And uh, it like if you go back and play Bioshock one, you'll notice how when you pick um, ragdolls up with like your telekinesis, yeah, that tries to be fucking insane per second. It's really weird, yeah. and they're stuttering around and just a lot of subtle things that don't work quite as well as you'd expect them to it was very much a direct xbox 360 yeah. to barely working pc kind of port this is like a 2007 era thing where one of the big features was wow DirectX 10 and you need windows right. vista to be able to run these latest features so it'll be nice to have Do you that remember how amazing to, bioshock's uh, water was standards like they showed, I think oh, it was like the first gameplay they showed was like was so he's going cool. through a tunnel, like running from the big daddy or whatever, and like water starts to pour out of like the broken glass and shit. And it was like, yep. holy fucking shit! Look at that water! Like it looks like water. It looks amazing. It still has that great game, looking water. That game is so good. I, uh, the game is great. I love that. I game. don't have any specific problems with that game, but every time I've tried to play it, which has been like probably four or five times, I've fallen off very quickly. Very quickly, yeah. I just, I just, just stop playing. Do you, are, yes. Have you gotten to the garden area? I think that's as far as I've gotten, actually. Okay, that that's where it starts to kind of drag. I always found to me the whole game's like the a bit of a drag. Like I just always harbor. feel like I come to like a big area where it's like, okay, I know I'm gonna have to do all the shit in this area, and I don't want to do it, and I don't know. Yeah, I guess I've played games like. I guess but so. You I guess get I'm to trying to play it more thing. for the story than the gameplay, and I probably shouldn't be. But like, maybe that's my—I don't know. But a game like Deus Ex, that that happens, and I'm excited. I don't know what it is about Bioshock that makes me not excited. Um, I, I, yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's definitely more scripted than something like Deus Ex, but uh, there's less I, to learn I, about the, the world, I guess. The standout moments in Bioshock, there's a lot to learn though. Like, especially Sander Cohen. That whole chapter was probably one of the best, like self-contained story chapters in a game like that. Uh, it's he's like this crazy performer guy, where he was like the arts guy in Rapture, and then everything went to shit, and then he started 
you know, abusing the plasmids and going insane himself. And it, it was just kind of cool how far he went down this, like, pit of insanity that he pretended is, like, artistic. And it's just an insane guy who's got, like, this, you know, layer of arsiness to him. So he writes poetry about tearing the ears off a bunny and you listen to it when you walk into a guy who's, like, petrified, wearing bunny ears, playing the piano. And then there's, like, a guy actually playing the piano. I remember that guy, yeah. And he detonates him when he makes I a mistake. I do remember that. It is cool. It's so I, there's cool. a lot of cool moments, cool and there's game. a lot of cool concepts like that. I think maybe part of my problem with that game is, like, what I'm looking for in a world in which you're exploring it and figuring out. Yeah. It's not... It's not. It's what I would almost call, like... Engaging as... I would almost call it, like, high fantasy. Um... Not in the classical sense of like elves and dwarves, obviously, but like here's a fictional world that has a lot of. It's, it's very unique. It has its own specific, specific rules. rules. It has its own very interesting stories that emerge because of the way the world is built. But when I'm looking at a world like that, like I want to know how the fucking city runs. I want to know like how shit works. Yes, you know what. Really? You would like Bioshock 2. Yeah, Bioshock 2 is uh, very really? sorely underrated, I think. Um, it's a lot more into that kind of thing, yeah. specifically. Uh, less about the crazy twists, and uh, it's more about what made yeah. Rapture go and how it's managed to go on without Andrew Ryan. That's probably the coolest part, is Andrew Ryan obviously was so compelling in Bioshock 1, a really cool character. But you kind of, in that game at least, can't separate Rapture mm-hmm. from Andrew Ryan. Um, and once Andrew Ryan's out of the picture, sorry to spoil the most spoiled moment in it's okay. video games. For the Would you kindly? Years, but uh, yeah, so after that, it doesn't really feel like it's got that mojo anymore. And part of that's because Rapture was so dependent on Andrew Ryan. In Bioshock 2... The game proper is set 10 years mm. after Andrew Ryan is dead. So it really feels like Rapture and whatever was keeping it going, like the stuff that was yeah. really unshakable, the, like the barest dynamics of it all and the technology mm-hmm. and the ocean and all that stuff. It's just what if all that kept on its course? And it's really cool. Yeah, it's we, really we've had, cool we've had these game. discussions over and over of like, of like I, I prefer in open world games, games where you're learning about the world, where you want to be immersed in the world. I prefer stuff like The Witcher Three, where it's very detailed and and there's depth to it on a technical level, almost where it's like this is a working universe that makes sense, and yeah, it, it has a grittiness and a level of detail of like every single person that was involved in making that world felt like they worked together in a way that makes it all compatible. Definitely. The, the, the people who made the, the, the textures and world itself and the writers and the composers and the sound designers in the Witcher three, it felt like it felt like in the Witcher three, the people who animated the <laughs> wind on the grass in Felden yeah. or Velen, sorry. Uh, it felt like they were as important to the yeah. whole experience as like the yeah, character it's like animators. They know what they're creating. They know the kind of world that they're creating. And it's like, this is a 
This is a, a yeah. fucking brutal, nasty, northern, chilly, cold, literally cold and figuratively cold world. And, and, and yeah, these storms that roll in are a big part of it. Uh, and so they, there's an artistic vision there that you don't see in a lot of games. I would say that's one of Mankind Divided's issues right now that so far of what I've played is, is kind of a, I wouldn't say a lack of attention to detail, but a lack of uniformity in, it doesn't feel, it, it fails to immerse me fully where it just doesn't, it, it feels like little sections have been created all on their own and people are kind of trying to, the Bethesda style of, of game making where it's kind of like, well, this is our little map and our little quest line and this is how things work inside this little quest line and then another quest line could be something completely different. It doesn't have that synergy to use a corporate buzzword. Uh, that's a really, really, really hard concept to grasp from a game player's perspective and from a game designer's perspective and so you know, who who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe The Witcher 3 just lucked out and they didn't actually have that amount of, of synergy or, or maybe Deus Ex is a lot more intertwined than I think it is. But, I think but yeah, that's something that I pick up on and, and feed off of a lot in single-player games. And so maybe that's part of the reason Bioshock... Bioshock, to me, this has always bothered me. Now it's become a trope, but at the time it still bothered me. Of I walk into a room, there's a recording of a lady at a New Year's party telling her little story about her New Year's night. Who is she talking to? Why is she recording this? Why is it here? None of that is, not only not, none of it is being explained, but none of it makes sense. Like, it just doesn't, why does this exist in this world? It doesn't well, get answered to me. That's, that's something I've always kind of liked about the first couple of Bioshocks and hated about Infinite, is um, I kind of disagree for the most part of the game. I think the the things that are recorded kind of make sense. Like, some of the party stuff in particular, the characters are, like, drunk and, you know, just talking to themselves. How do they but, have a tape And then there's also the kind that of matters. dark... Well, whatever. I mean... It if it was does, a letter to their husband or something, matters, and they put it in their it little mailbox more. or something like that, and you find yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. found something that exists in the world, sure, and I'm sure. I'm discovering something about this person by... In the world, in the world, they treated it as a novelty, that it was a new technology, and Rapture was a, a place all about new technology, and that was kind of like writing something down in a trendy way. I don't know. So did, they, they kind of built that up. Why it mattered that. more in Infinite, they did, they did the slightest okay. amount of effort to make it work. In Infinite, it's like 40, 50 years earlier, <laughs> and they still have these fucking recordings. And yeah. it just that really. And by that time, it, it had already become something like about the way it was done in Rapture in really the gaming worked. world. Right, and then, and then they also use the tapes in. I call them tapes because that's essentially what they are. They use the tapes in the original Bioshock with characters like Sander Cohen, who's a performer, and he's just leaving these around because he's okay. like putting on a show. Yeah, and that really works. And him and Andrew Ryan, who's always pontificating and, uh, you know, showing you his wisdom. And I think it kind of worked there because the characters managed to pull it. Some of the side characters aren't all that interesting. I don't remember them all that much. It's mainly the people you interact with, those side characters I remember most. Like, um, what was his name? Doctor. I know who you're talking about. It was Doctor scary as fuck. But, yeah. Yeah, it was a really well done moment. Chilling, man. Yeah. 
so good. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of redeemable stuff to that game. And I maybe I'm not – maybe I need to go back and look at it again with a more analytical mind or I don't know. But that moment in particular when you discover the first tape recorder on the New Year's party of that little area – it always struck me as something like, I know that I'm supposed, this is where I'm supposed to be getting immersed in this world and learning about this world, but it didn't feel that way. I just felt removed from it. And I, I can't at this point put my finger on exactly what the issue is there. I don't think it's fully that, oh, well, why was she recording the tape? I don't think that's the full issue. There's, there's something more to it. Yeah, it felt like maybe it, it was feels there contrived. Yeah, maybe like it's just such a. Like- it's like okay, this is the introductory expository dialogue to start off the. I think that yeah, exactly. Wasn't the chapter Probably. in the game called uh, "Welcome to"? But Rapture? also, but yep, I think so. It was but something one of my like favorite just showing you what it's like of all time in any single player experience is when you walk into that lighthouse and the lights go up and it does a little speech. That's fantastic. Oh, so yeah, so there's an ability to create a moment. The difference is. The difference is doing it uniquely like Having that. Having a tape recorder that you find. Just, yeah. uh, doing it the classic way. Where yeah, I, I guess so. And, and, and I think that there's... There. I brought this up last week, the same game. Fear. Fear 1. <laughs> they had tapes that you found. It was always a voicemail. You would find phones on an, on an office desk that had a little flashing red light, and you'd listen to the voicemail. And it was fine because that's a, it makes sense in the world and it, it allows them to, to explain stuff through dialogue in a way that – in a context that makes sense and, and you're finding it in a way that kind of makes sense. Like, oh, you just stumbled across this voicemail at this random office, but whatever. I mean it, it worked. Um, and those tape recorders just, just don't do it for me. And, and there's something – it's not just the tape recorders. There's, just, there's more to it than that and I, I don't know. Play Bioshock Infinite again and uh, just right. laugh yourself to death yeah. at how they do that whole thing. Well, uh, that's it for me. That's it for me as well. Uh, wow, guys. Oh, it's not it for me. Guess what we should do this week? You've seen Arrested Development, right? Skippy. I'm so, rewatching some of Arrested Development. I never watched the last season that came out on Netflix. Good show. And so I rewatched all of season three. I knew it was one of the best shows ever and very funny and, and one of the funniest things ever. And I was still like, God, I forgot how funny this was. It, that is such a fucking good show. It's yes. so well done. It really is. Yep. It's, uh, it's reputation is way less funny yeah. than itself. It's like, a funny fucking show. It, it has this, uh, it's cult stats it's to is a little frustrating because season four, yeah, season four felt like it was really mm-hmm. building off of what it's. I've only watched two episodes of season four, and so far, that's was. exactly my thoughts on it. Yeah, it improves. Well, what, it improves as it goes on. It's kind of clearly yeah. meant to be like I a clearly, Netflix show. It, it is very it clearly once. stuff that is these first two episodes that I assume I assume it changes because it feels like these first two episodes are stuff that's thrown together. Like they were a, like actually filming a fourth season at one point and then had to stop. And this is like the remains that they're like gathering up because it's a lot of flashbacks in very weird, disjointed ways. That it's like, yeah. did they throw yeah. this together at the last minute? That's what it feels like. It was like. all filmed uh, separately. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it'll ever actually happen, but when uh, the creator of the show and a lot of the cast oh, yeah. members, who are pretty famous now um, these days, 
they still want to do it, but they said that w- they said when they didn't say if they said when they do either a movie or a fifth season, um, they're not going to do it in the disjointed yeah. film everybody saw. Yeah, because that is very they did this time. That is very bizarre. Yeah, that would um, work twice. Yeah, but uh, it barely but God, it's such a good show. It's so well edited. It's it's almost all in the editing. Oh, <sighs> absolutely. Yeah. And the voice, the, over like too, the voice of just, the creator of the show, who like breaks the fourth wall, and is like, like I love it at the end of the third season where he starts that saying, was, "Like, tell, tell your friends not, about the it's show." Ron it's Howard. not Ron Howard, is it? It is Ron Howard. It's Ron the Howard. Voiceover. Ron Howard is the narrator for Arrested Development. Why? Every voiceover is Ron Howard. <laughs> he wanted to do it. He produced the show. Right. Whatever. And then that's like an element. Of like, I mean, the, he does a really good job of it. Season. I thought it was like a, they tried... I thought it was a voice actor because yeah, it's really well done. No, okay. it's Ron Howard. And they try to pitch like a show yeah, yeah, to yeah. Ron I know, yeah, I saw like that, that part in his office. It's yeah. the actual Apollo thirteen um, thing. Yeah, shit, it's Ron Howard. But yeah, I like it when it's like, tell your friends about the show, please. And, and <laughs> it's, just, it's just a good show. <laughs> Everyone should watch it. Please. That's all I have now. Everyone should also tell your friends about pushing. Hey, so tell your hey, friends, tell them to subscribe, tell your mother like to subscribe. Like and share this video. It really bad. helps us out. It helps us out. Like the video if you liked it. Um, really helps us out. Thanks for listening, guys. Push a shout. Donate to our Patreon. Tune in next week. I'm quitting my job to start a Patreon. You know, there should be like um, a kind of, I don't know. Um, Bank of Pain, where every time you make a reference to Patreon, you're making put it, it in the jar, and then the people who have to endure it, they can cash <laughs> it out one day and just hurt you real bad. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>